Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Another day, another episode of The Core Report. Black Broadway presents The Core Report. And uh, this episode, man, we call this simply, man, let the games begin. The games are afoot now. This is what's happening. Apparently, the government has decided that it's all good. All the games are open. Everybody, it's time to play, man. Of course, we got to cover everything from COVID to the protests. The STEMI game is back. You know, the stimulus game is back, man. You know I need my Yankee fitting. You know I'm a lifelong Yankee fan, JB. But, you know, champions, family. You know the vibes, man. We got everything, man. Oh, like I said, all the sports today. All the sports today, man. And, of course, assorted other madness from y'all's president and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, let's go ahead and get right on into it, man. Um, let's go ahead and lead this thing off with the COVID situation, man. Yo, right now in America, uh, COVID-19 has literally just spiraled out of control. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. And the president is now literally backtracking pretty much everything he ever said about this pandemic and about this epidemic. And he is taking the side of the scientists. However, he does not want them getting the credit for this. Coronavirus task force briefings have resumed. Fauci and Burks are nowhere to be found. They are not on the podium. They are not participating in disseminating this science-based vital information that the whole world needs. But guess where Fauci is? At Nationals Park today, throwing out the first pitch for the Nationals game. Hopefully they get their rings today too, but just to show you the absurdity of what's going on. Numbers spiking, 4 million cases, 145,000 deaths, but uh, baseball today. And basketball today, too. Shout out to the NBA. The bubble is going down today, too. Like I said, we'll talk about all of that later on in the show right now. Washington, D.C. is having a very complex and convoluted situation with coronavirus right now. As this region and the city specifically seeks to move into phase two and even three of its reopening plan, we're dealing with the reality of these cases spiking in this area significantly. And the most concerning part about the spikes in this case are that 66% of the cases reported this month in the Washington, D.C. area belong to people under 40 40 years old, excuse me. Under 40 years old. That's us, y'all. That's us. So everybody who thought it was a joke, we could go out, we could kick it, we could go out of state even, we could go out of town. Everybody who thought that was cool, this is what's happening. 66% of the COVID cases in Washington, D.C. in the last month, since July 1st, have belonged to young people, people under the age of 40. And that's compared to 21% before July 4th. So this is insanity, man. Right now, Muriel is going crazy again in a, in a moment that's so heightened with police tension and tension about law enforcement. Muriel Bowser has decided to issue or institute a $1,000 penalty, up to $1,000, excuse me, for mask wearing in Washington, D.C. There have already been $2,000 tickets written. There are 15 other cases pending right now for $1,000 fines for mask wearing in the District of Columbia. I don't even want to think about 
where this is being enforced the most and where it's not being enforced the most. And I'm sure that anybody who can afford to pay $1,000 for a ticket fine is not going to get one. For a mask wearing, I'm sure that anybody who can pay a fine of $1,000 for not wearing a mask is very above the fray of getting a mask ticket. So these things are all foolishness. Again, United States, 1,000 deaths in a day today for and yesterday, the last two days. But we're opening up baseball. We got basketball tonight, so I'm not even going to front. I'm kind of excited. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all happening now, man. You know what I'm saying? What you say, Rich? One of your coworkers just got cleared to go back to work. Like, yo, one of my friends, one of my wife's friends, she just got over COVID-19. So many people are having very, very close brushes with this disease right now. And I just do not think it's intelligent for us to be rushing full throttle back into work. It's just ridiculous. It's not logical, but it's what's happening right now. It is what's for dinner. So here we go. You know what I'm saying? $2 billion has been paid at this moment to Pfizer for vaccine research or to put a vaccine out here that is actually untested, unproven. $2 billion has been inserted into the market in order to work this virus and allow Pfizer to develop it further. $2 billion. You've got to ask yourself, where is this money coming from? How do these... How is the government able to just print money and just insert money into these corporations who already have billions of dollars at their disposal, who already have resources out of this world to solve something that ostensibly we would think is a threat to humanity? You would think that we wouldn't really need money to solve a crisis like the coronavirus, which is a threat to humanity as we know it. But that doesn't seem to be what motivates people. Cash, money, money, money. All right, so like I said, this is COVID-19. This is the nonsense that we deal with on a daily basis as that concerns. Protests. The protest movement in America never stopped, and it has definitely been gaining a lot of steam over the last few weeks due to the increasingly violent and tyrannical and draconian means that the government is using to quell these protests. It's, it's just unconscionable right now what the administration is doing in Portland, and they have basically said that they are okay with sending unidentified federal agents into Portland, Oregon, in order to enforce some kind of mandate that they feel addresses violent crime. And it's not really violent crime or protesting in those the strict confine that we know it as. It's difficult to understand or to make people understand how they're conflating violent crime, which has existed in the United States for decades, and which, according to all statisticians, according to all bureaus that keep these statistics, is on the decline with the uptick and the dramatic and sudden uptick in people going out in the streets and protesting for social justice and how much that annoys and how much that bothers the administration and how they want a response to that, especially within an election year that demonstrates how serious they are about handling quote-unquote law and order and demonstrates also that they're not going to allow these issues to become what drives 
the direction of the country for the next administration, the next decades, whatever it is. It's very, how do you say this? It's very nationalist, but it's also very short-sighted because America is becoming a much more brown country. The minority is going to be the majority any way you slice it over the next couple of decades in this country. Making policy and uh, keeling or kowtowing to the people who want to see this thing go back to the 50s, are uh, it's a very short-sighted move because it's not going in that direction. This is not trending in that direction. Things aren't going that way. So I don't understand this whole entire movement to push things that way, but I do understand that it will have extremely negative consequences for not only the nation, but the party that puts its support behind that, which is the Republican Party. As I said, federal troops running wild in Portland, they have been declared and promised to be deployed in Chicago this week. According to Trump, 45, whatever you want to call it, he's operating, he's running a new operation, a new targeted approach to law enforcement, to law and order, to restoring order to America's cities. It's called Operation Legend. Do a Google. Look it up. Seriously. Look, read the White House's guidelines and the White House's specifications on what they say Operation Legend is. First of all, Operation Legend is some real disingenuous shit because it is named after a four-year-old kid who was killed in Kansas City, Missouri in his bed, in his sleep, as a part in June of 2020, actually. And this happened recently, and he's attaching the, the name and the significance of this project to a killing that took place in Kansas City, Missouri, which is experiencing, like so many other inner city places, a spike in violence over the summer. So this operation, which is dispatching federal troops to cities all over the country, is based on a local incident of violence that is totally unconnected to any kind of civil unrest, any kind of broad national panic that we're having about the crime rate, the murder rate, children being killed, any of that. Even though these things are happening at an unacceptable rate, there has not been one national mandate to specifically address these issues. And you know how you can really address these issues? Stop putting guns on the streets. We live in a country where there's literally a gun for every person. There might be two. This is the country we live in. So it's totally unreasonable to think that people wouldn't be using them against each other in very irresponsible ways. Handguns were not made to do anything else but kill people. Unless you want to see people die, there would be no reason to produce handguns at the volume that this country does, producing ammunition at the volume this country does, having these handguns being sold at the volume that this country does. Portland's protests and Chicago's problems are totally not connected. However, Trump is using these two incidences that do involve violent tendencies or just action by civilians that is not considered quote-unquote lawful to put the press down federally using federal police in a paramilitary style. what you say, Rich? Portland has protest and some anarchy. Chicago is pull 
pure gun violence. Blacks die. Agree and I disagree. Portland, to, to use the term anarchy in Portland, is really a gross mischaracterization of what's happening. That's propaganda. That's rhetoric. There are people outside peacefully protesting. There was a wall of 60-plus-year-old white women called the Wall of Moms who were literally using themselves as a human shield in between the protesters and the police. You know what happened? The police tear-gassed them. The mayor of Portland, Oregon was tear-gassed last night. The mayor of Portland, Oregon is also the police commissioner of Portland, Oregon. And he was tear-gassed last night at a peaceful protest in Portland, Oregon. Like I said, protest all across the world, though. People are protesting corruption and violence and so on and so forth all across the world. 34 people were arrested in Israel just yesterday, continuing protest against Israel's president or prime minister, should I say, Benjamin Netanyahu, who is on trial for corruption at this very moment and is also having an extreme amount of criticism from the populace for his very poor handling of the COVID-19 crisis. It's nuts, man. These are protest movements all across the world where people are disgusted with authoritarian regimes. People want real democracy. And the only means that people have at this moment, especially in this time of global pandemic, social distancing, is to get out in the streets and make their displeasure known through active protesting. I mean, this is all across the country, all across the globe, from America to Israel to Africa, all sorts of places, Kenya, Zimbabwe, all of these places are extreme, experiencing extreme civil unrest all over Europe, Belarus, like I said, Israel. This is insane. So, back in America, we need this money. We live in an extremely capitalistic society. We cannot function without money. The biggest conversation over the past few weeks has been what is going to happen with the Unemployment Insurance Act. While we still have no idea, again, we have not gotten a final word on whether or not the $600 that has been added to the Unemployment Insurance Package is going to be extended past its deadline, which is July 31st. What we have heard from the Republican leader of the Senate, which makes it significant because that means that this is actually going to pass. Mitch McConnell has said that he is going to roll, they're rolling out a plan that is cost about $1 trillion, according to, you know, budget experts, a new round of stimulus checks, the $1,200 stimulus checks with the $500 uh, additional payment for each child in the household, $16 billion dedicated strictly to coronavirus testing. $70 billion dedicated to K-12 through education, which is interesting because this is the same federal government that wants to take, publish it, take funding from schools unless they open up, according to the pressure that the president had been putting on the Department of Education, the president and Betsy DeVos and a bunch of other people who don't know anything about anything. However, like I said, according to the scientists, due to the large amount of public pushback and constituent concerns, Trump is walking a lot of this back. So we'll see what happens. You know what I'm saying? We'll see exactly how this works. You know, what you say, Rich? Let me get into this comment here. Anarchy may be a poor choice of words, but because of the take that happened there and the 16-year-old that was killed, they didn't want to let it happen again. Yeah, there's a lot of 
<sighs> There's, like I said, uh, check into our Facebook profile, the Black Broadway Facebook page. There's an article posted about the extremely problematic history of Oregon as a state, Portland as a city, and how white supremacy and violence to enforce that white supremacy is just a part of this city's DNA. It's a part of its structure. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that protest movement is very deep, man. I definitely want to have those continued discussions. Anybody who likes to read, go to our Facebook page and check out these articles, and let's get into these continued discussions about the details and about the actual, you know, implications of what we learn through this knowledge. Because this shit is definitely vital in picking up, you know, context. That's the most important thing when we have these conversations. Context, you know what I mean? Uh, What else was I talking about? Okay, Mitch McConnell and his stimulus plan, as I said, this has been rolled through the Senate. It looks like if Mitch McConnell pulls out a plan, typically it's going to succeed because he wouldn't pull something out being the Republican leader of the Senate that he didn't think was going to pass through his members, who he knows he has direct control over. So, according to all the economists and all the people who are involved in this, it would be absolute catastrophe if the United States economy was allowed to collapse with the with the unemployment insurance falling through and another round of stimulus checks not being provided to people after they only got one some four months ago. So, it's already understood that this would be a very, very bad move politically and economically if they were to allow these benefits to falter. So I'm pretty sure that a deal is going to be reached there because they're interested in maintaining the status quo. And in order to maintain the status quo, you got to keep people happy, okay? People cannot be angry about too many things at one time. And right now, with racial justice, with pandemics and quarantines and mask mandates and education and the environment, I don't think we can throw an entire economic collapse on this. We'll deal with the recession, not even the recession, the depression that's coming a little bit later. Moving right along, though, you know what I'm saying? Oh, of course, let me just drop this on you as well. While we're rushing this through, for the first time in several weeks, The unemployment numbers have jumped again. So 1.4 million people, 1.4 million additional people this week filed for unemployment benefits. And that's the first time that that number has increased. At first, it was going down to 1 million or below for the past several weeks. They've been trending downward. This week, the numbers trended upward. And that owes itself a lot to these new restrictions that are being placed on a lot of these states that opened up prematurely and now they're having to roll back a lot of these you know freedoms that they allow people and again once again people are jobless during this coronavirus pandemic a lot of people on the low especially rich people rich white people were freed from prison one of the people that was freed from prison was michael cohen paul manafort was also one of those people paul manafort is 45's boy though so he knew how to get low and get out of the way. Cohen, on the other hand, he feels quite wronged by 45. So not only was he photographed while he was furloughed because he was dealing with the effects of the COVID virus, not only was he photographed eating outside, which was a violation of his furlough order, but he was also working on a book. 
which was to be a tell-all book about the administration, exposing a lot of racist and anti-Semitic things that 45 has said behind doors. And this is all substantiated by his decades of experience or years of experience as Trump's personal attorney. They got wind of this and put the thing in motion in order to get him reincarcerated. So while everybody else who got released during COVID got to stay home, COVID went, Michael Cohen went back in. He's been back in jail since I want to say maybe the first or second week of July, perhaps like the last week of June. He's been in jail for a while. He had his case come up against the judge recently, and the judge reversed the order. They ordered Michael Cohen to be freed from prison this Friday at no later than 2 p.m. because what they could see from the evidence that was presented, he was only locked up as a retaliatory measure for him writing this book about 45. The judge, a federal judge, came to this conclusion. So, you know, Michael Cohen looks like he's going to get back out on the road. He's going to do what everybody else does. Make a money, make a whole bunch of money from some publishing house writing him a nice advance check for a book that very few people are going to read because everybody already knows what time it is. Shout out to John Bolton. Shout out to Mary Trump. Shout out to Anonymous. Shout out to everybody that ate off of telling secrets that are well-known things about a well-known dirtbag that is 45. Like I said, it's all craziness. It's all foolishness. And we're all going to deal with the ultimate fallout of all of this much, much later. But right now, we got, you know, some interesting things going on in our country. Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon, of course, richest man in the world, of course. At this current moment, Jeff Bezos is worth $189.3 billion. He made $13 billion in 24 hours. Between Wednesday and Thursday, Jeff Bezos managed to add $13 billion to his personal fortune. And we're still sitting up here talking about stimulus checks. So, you know, do with that information what you will. Also, which is very interesting, Jeff Bezos' account was among the verified Twitter accounts that were hacked into very recently. And Twitter, because they're dealing with some unprecedented issues in their business model, also due to COVID-19. Everybody's being affected by this. They're looking at a subscription-based model because they're losing a lot of money on ad revenue. I, for one, am going to be heartbroken if Twitter decides to go to a subscription-based model. For one, because I love it. And two, because as the bastion of free speech that it is, as the spot, what up, Scrogger? Man, as the spot that comes through and really allows people to share information in real time as a tool that the government is now using to make official statements. If they're able to monetize that in a way that is directly tied to people's ability and access to make statements, that makes them a very dangerous entity. Again, we don't want to create any more Zuckerbergs. We don't want to create any more Bezoses. But we seem to be in the business of that. That's what American exceptionalism is. That's what American imperialism is. That's what we're about here. And internationally, we spread that all over the world. Another interesting story is that the asylum agreement between the United States and Canada, for the first time in God knows how long, decades, has been changed. It's been altered. Canada and the United States have an agreement when it comes to asylum that says that's called 
first safe place. Basically, it implies that if you're a refugee and you're running and you're filing for asylum, when you land in either the United States or Canada, the first safe place is under an obligation to take you. That's our agreement. So if they come to Canada first or if they come to Canada first, Canada can't kick people out and send them to the United States and vice versa. What happened now is that Canada has officially recognized the United States as an unsafe place for refugees. So they're not the safe place anymore. Canada is now accepting refugees, including United States of America refugees. That's an interesting thing right there. Do with that information what you will. People from the United States, we went from, in less than 12 calendar months, our president calling places shithole countries to literally being eligible to be a recipient of asylum from our neighbor, <laughs> from Canada, our, nor- our neighbor to the north. That happened today. So, and Justin Trudeau actually skipped the signing of the USMC, which is the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, because of his, one, disdain for the leader of this country, and also because of his lack of confidence in the way that this country has handled COVID and has handled the previous trade agreements. Now we're in in a humanitarian situation with China. I mean, not China, excuse me, Canada. It's very dangerous. China's situation is a whole other thing. Pay attention to the amount of Chinese embassies and consulates that are closing all across this country. The the problem with walls and what the Chinese realized centuries ago is that walls work both ways. Walls keep people locked in and they also keep people out. So with our president's desire to build walls, with his desire to lock people out, he's effectively walled us in as well. And the people that we're walled in with and the people that are able to directly influence this policy and this democracy is becoming very, very important. They don't have any room for dissension. China understands that extremely clearly. We're moving in the same exact direction. So you have to pay attention to that. You also have to pay attention to the ICE agency, Immigration Customs Enforcement. Listen, they've already delayed the decision for several weeks about family separation and what they're going to do with the children of people who are being detained for illegal immigration, illegal border crossing, so on and so forth. It's come to the light now that they've been using hotel rooms like the Best Western and the Ramada in border towns to house immigrant children and then deport them. Like, not even put them in the system, process them or anything. It's just basically round them up, wrangle them up, put them in a hotel room for a few days, and kick them right back out of the country. No due process, no investigation on whether people's claims for asylum or refugee status are legitimate or not, and no compassion for understanding that people live right across from the land of quote-unquote milk and honey and all this opportunity, and they are living well below the poverty line. Things that people, the amount of money that people earn in America and send back to these quote-unquote, developing nations, third-world countries, tips their economy immeasurably. Now that that is much more difficult to happen due to what's happening in COVID-19, this is slowing down the whole entire world's economy, man. The travel bans that have been put in place. Again, how these wall things work. Ilhan Omar, Representative Ilhan Omar, has a couple of bills. There are a couple of bills in Congress 
to address the immigration situation. Ilhan Omar has a bill to stop the travel ban or any legislation of that kind from being pushed forward again, and especially as it relates to majority Muslim countries, which is what the travel ban specifically targeted. And there's another bill up that would stop the Immigration and Customs Agency from being able to arrest people in court. Like, literally, you could be in court for a totally different offense. Immigrations and Customs could come in and say, oh, this person is undocumented, we're taking this person with us. And none of the officers of the court, no lawyers, nobody can do anything about it. And this has been happening all over America for quite some time now. And it's just very interesting that it's just now some legislation being brought to the forefront to address these kind of things, man. Like I said, with COVID-19 taking over our, our, our thought process, a lot of the things that we deal with in America, man, people are, are taking the most insane approach possible to these things. Education, like I said, this, this country wants schools to open up very quickly. We want, we want kids back in school. Look, as a parent of two, I want their asses back in school. I promise you. That's why this show takes so long to come on because I got to fight through bedtimes and feedings and dinners and all of that to get here and do the news. But we get here and do the news. And while these people are aggressively pushing for schools to reopen and stuff like that, you know what the wealthy are doing? They're putting together what they call pandemic pods, which is private quarantine bubbles, clusters of people who are going to connect in order to further not only their children's education, but their education and their community's productivity as a whole. Pandemic pods. This is what these people are doing while we're sitting around arguing about who's doing this or who's doing that and stimulus checks and things of that nature. Listen, there are people who understand that they might never return to their offices. There are people who understand that they might never return to what it was they did beforehand, and they are preparing for this new world. It seems like a lot of us aren't. A lot of us are holding on to what the past was or what was happening, which brings me to my main point of this show here. Y'all, I'm so good with this timing. The sports. It's the sports, bro. The games are back, man. Tonight, everybody's back. NBA, back tonight. Bron's playing tonight. I saw the NBA bubble yesterday. I wasn't really impressed. I saw the Wizards play the Nuggets. I'm sure that had a lot to do with the reason that uh, I wasn't impressed. Oh, man, Rich, thanks, bro. I pre- Yo, it was, it was my pleasure, man, for real. But I saw the Wizards playing the Nuggets. I wasn't really impressed. I heard a very empty arena. Hearing that basketball bounce off that floor, it just don't hit the same when it's not, you know, 19,000 people around absorbing that sound. So we'll see how this whole entire thing goes with the NBA. I'll be tuned in a little bit tonight as soon as I get off of here. The MLB is back today. The Washington Nationals World Series champions hopefully get their rings tonight and they face off against the New York Yankees. Entire ballpark empty. Ballpark's empty. And I swear, I had promised myself this summer that I was going to spend a lot of time at Nats Park because I just enjoy baseball. I like it's, it's therapeutic to me to sit down and watch baseball and keep the stats and enjoy the game. And a part of, you know, us pushing back to normalcy, I understand that people want 
things that they, you know, find joy or find some solace in back. But it's totally unreasonable to rush it. And inside of rushing it, like I said, the Nationals, the World Series champion Nationals, one of their star players, an instrumental part of the run, my man Juan Soto, tested positive today. He tested positive tonight and had to sit out of the opening game that is being played as we speak, which leads you to a whole nightmare scenario because this guy was practicing with the fucking team yesterday. He was practicing with the whole damn team yesterday, the day before, who knows how many times. Zimmerman and several other prominent nationals have already made their point that, yo, we're, we're cool. We're going to go ahead and sit it out, you know what I'm saying, and relax. And likewise with the NBA. A lot of people, you know, Kyrie Irving made it really clear. He was like, yo, let's be real. There's only about 30 of us that's getting paid out here for real, and I'm one of them, and I don't feel safe. The other guys, of course they're going to come back because they are under – Financial strain, just like anybody else. They need a job just like anybody else. Listen, playing and playing professional athletics, unless you're the man, is just a good job that you're not going to have for a very long time. So you need to be very, very intelligent about the way you spend your money. My cousin can certainly vouch, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of other people I know who have been involved in pro athletics can tell you this shit is not forever. So... It's interesting that the NFL is putting a, um, a, um, a, a proposition to their rookie players that allows them to either take $150,000, no questions asked, as the salary for their, their year, and that's for undrafted free agents who are on the roster of an NFL team when it's time to you know move forward with the season, whatever that looks like. He's offering, they're offering them $150,000 as a deal, or they can take their chances and see if they can earn their contracts and earn their incentives. It's a sucker's bet for real because most people know, well, everyone knows the NFL money is not guaranteed. The NFL has not decided what they're going to do, not only with the season, but also I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, with the goddamn name of the Washington football team. This is the laziest corniest shit I ever seen in my life the Washington football team like really I mean and at the end of the day I'm not really one that would push back too much on the final name being Washington football club but the fact that it wasn't well thought out the fact that it's being presented right now as an interim name the laziness even in the graphic design just lets you know that this shit is a joke and I'm gonna keep it real with you don't be surprised if there is some type of walking back of them trying to change this name. Don't be surprised. You know what I mean? This is, this is the Let the Games Begin episode. So this is the game right now. The game that we're playing right now is how long can we win this war of attrition? How long, do people act, how long are people actually going to deeply care about this? How long are people going to be invested in seeing some results about this? You know what I'm saying? I'm fond of saying that people have the collective memory of train smoke, but I think that in this current social justice moment, in this climate that we're in right now, it's beneficial to people to keep the pressure on, you know, things that they perceive to be societal wrongs. And it also gives people something to do. People do not have anything else to do other than to push for things that they have always wanted to see 
addressed in some way, shape, or form, but due to the pandemic, due to unemployment, due to idleness in a lot of different ways, we got an opportunity. Big shout outs to everybody in Fairfax County, Virginia, who I know has been pushing for this for decades, but has finally seen some movement on this. Robert E. Lee High School in Fairfax County, Virginia, which probably sits on Robert E. Lee Highway, which is Route 1. I don't never call it Robert E. Lee Highway, but I see those signs all the time. Shout out to them for changing the name of Robert E. Lee High School to the name of recently deceased civil rights hero, activist, and longtime congressman John Lewis. We're going from Robert E. Lee High School to John Lewis High School, and we're never going backwards. I like that. I like that. Keep everything pushing. Shout out to the park. And um, I can't remember exactly where this park is, but it's called Douglas Park. And it was named for someone who was once a slaveholder and once a racist, very biased view holding scientist. It's being named Douglas Park. But that Douglas will be Frederick Douglas. You know what I mean? And again, you know, I love my statues. Shout out to AOC and all the other Democratic um, congressmen and the 72 Republican congressmen who voted with this to remove Confederate statues from Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol. Somewhere where I spent a lot of time as a young man who was a uh, Capitol Hill intern. Shout out to Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee for letting me work in that office. Shout out to the great state of Texas, Houston. You know what it is. But um, yeah, man. I was walking through uh, Statuary Hall many times and wondering why the fuck, you know, Jefferson Davis had a statue in here or, you know, many other people who are technically and practically and literally traitors to this country. You know what I mean? doesn't make any sense. But uh, again, man, it's just I'm glad to see these things moving in the right direction. Like I said, man, the games are afoot, though. Like we're fully back in sports mode. We're back. MLS is coming back right now. I don't know what that's going to look like. I know they had tons of positive tests over the past few weeks that they've been trying to get their training camps up and running. The NHL is dealing with the same thing. So I guess, I mean, hey, we might not have PPE for doctors and nurses in hospitals, but God damn it, we're going to have some hockey. So shout out to America for that, okay? Yeah. Good job, guys. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what else is ridiculous. i give y'all our last little ridiculous pieces that I'm getting up out of here. Got to take the kids on a bike ride, you know, enjoy life. But Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson apparently have signed the ink. The ink is dry. The contract is there. They're going to fight an eight-round eight exhibition fight sometime later on this year. I don't know if I want to see that, bro. I'm sorry. I love Roy. I love Mike. You know what I'm saying? I never in my wildest boxing fantasies ever put these two together in fighting each other. I That shit didn't even happen on fight night on PlayStation, bro. Just That's just because Mike wasn't available. But at the end of the day, I never put Roy Jones in the ring with a heavyweight, even though I'm sure Roy Jones Jr. is a heavyweight right now. <laughs> at the end of the day, Mike shot. I don't know what Roy's up to. I know Roy's still shot. This fight, uh, I don't, you know, it's it's an exhibition. It's a display. I guess it's for some cause. I don't know how excited I am about this. They're going to have to do a little bit more selling me on this. The undercard, however, is pretty damn interesting. And I might give you a goddamn click for this one. Nate Robinson. Yes, 
little tiny Nate Robinson, slam dunk champion Nate Robinson, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, maybe Nate Robinson, is going to fight YouTube uh, golden white boy, great white hope, uh, Jake Paul. I don't know if he's the one who's like jacked or if that's his brother. I don't fucking know. I just know these white guys, they do a lot of YouTube videos, and I don't even, I'd be lying to you if I told you I ever watched a minute of one of them. But at the end of the day, they seem to be pretty famous. And in America, if you're pretty famous and you got a couple of dollars, then, you know, you can make the news. Here I am, contributing to the problem. But him and Nate Robinson are going to rumble on the undercard. I don't know how tall this dude is, but I need Nate Robinson to knock him out, yo. I'm going to be feeling real violated as a Knicks fan, as an NBA fan, as a black man. If Nate Robinson get knocked out out here, fucking around with a goddamn YouTuber. Last story brings me a lot of joy, brought me a lot of joy last night. DMX and Snoop Dogg versus... Shout out to Swiss Beats and Timberland. Every time they do these verses, like, it's, it's progressively getting better now. You know what I mean? Like, we had a couple of setbacks. I'm going to say Jagged Edge and 112 was a setback. But, you know, Jill and Erica was a big step forward. Beanie Man and um, Bounty was a huge step forward. Alicia Keys, John Legend, big step forward. This DMX and Snoop just felt good, man. It felt good to old cats like me who really... Grew up listening to all of these songs and albums in our Walkmans every day on the way to high school, junior high school, shit, elementary school. Snoop Dogg shit reminded me that I had absolutely no business listening to Doggy Style at the age of 12 in 1993. But it was dope. I loved every bit of it. I knew every word on that joint, man. Shout out to Murder with the K. Shout out to him doing Pump Pump. Shout out to DMX for doing House and Going Down. Shout out to DMX for doing Slipping. Shout out to DMX for the prayer, man. If you go on our website, you go on our Patreon page, you go on the Blavity page, look for the transcription done expertly by my wife, just extraordinary, just all-around working boss, putting that down, putting that together in a format where you can really understand the depth and the emotion that DMX has always brought to all of his work and to all of his public appearances and the way that he flows through society. It was good to see X healthy. It was good to see him kind of on the fat side. I know that boy Knees was struggling. You know what I'm saying? So it's good to see X, man, just enjoying life, man. It's good to see everybody finding some joy in the midst of all of this shenanigans that we know as the pandemic you know what i mean remember everybody things work out the best for the people that make the best of the way that things work out man and look we're segueing into you know this this larger movement right now you know what i mean i don't do this shit for likes i don't do this shit for you know popularity contests none of that we're doing this for real to disseminate information so if you like what you see and if you love the content and if you feel like there's something to be gained for this for a lot of people all over the country, the city, the world, you know what I'm saying? Show us some love. Send us a send us a, a post. Share it with a friend. You know what I'm saying? Hop on our Patreon page. See how you would like to support. Hop on our Facebook page and comment and like. Respond to our posts. We're doing this, man. You know what I'm saying? We're doing this thing for the family. And the family is all of us, y'all. Remember. Things work out the best for people to make the best of the way things work out. Black Broadway, The Core Report.
Thursday things. See y'all later. Peace.